You don't want to move to Spain, do you, Faye? Of course she does. It's a perfect opportunity for somebody her age. She could be bilingual. Bilingual, you numpting. She's not five. She's got as much chance of being fluent in Spanish as you have. So the answer is no. So you won't even consider it, then? What is it to consider? It's the most ridiculous, ill-conceived idea I've ever heard of. You know what, Sally? You've got a right selfish streak in you, you have. When have I ever asked for anything, eh? Exactly, but when you want something, we've all got to bend over backwards. Well, we're going to go to Spain, whether you like it or not, are we? You're on your own, Senor Muppet. Hello and welcome to episode 138 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street Catcher podcast that... Happy birthday to me, happy birthday to me, happy birthday Timbot 4000, happy birthday to me. I'm Gavin. And I didn't catch a word of that. Well, that was Timbot 4000 wishing himself a happy birthday. Oh, happy, happy I understand birthday. why you can't hear that. You seriously can't hear that? Happy birthday no, to me, happy birthday that. to me, happy birthday, Timbot 4000, happy birthday to me. Talking, but I can't he- understand what he's saying. Oh, really? That's going to be a shame for other things that I have planned. I'm Gavin. And I'm leaving on a jet plane. Yes. Well. On Wednesday. Yeah. Not today. <laughs> Close enough. Yeah. Close enough. I'm... I'm you know, dad I'm, is significantly better and I am ready to come home to my darling. All my going kids. well. This will be your your last from the bathtub. <laughs> yes. Episode of Talk of the Street. Yes. And it's a shame that you're not going to be here for uh, Timbot 4000's birthday. That's, that's unfortunate, but, you know, it can't be helped. Oh, well, send me a piece of cake. Oh, he doesn't have cake. Why not? Because he's a fictitious character and a robot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he could have a fictitious kick then. Well, we'll see what we can muster. How are you? Uh, You know, like I said, uh, Dad is significantly better. They're talking about maybe getting him out of the hospital and into a rehab facility sometime next week. So that's all good. And and so, yeah, we, uh, we are... We are moving right along. I am, you know, quite pleased because we we honestly thought there, especially in the first week, that he was not going to make it. Right. So we are we are truly blessed in a time when so many families are not, and and so. Um, yeah, it's like you so, could pick, you could pick a better time to have a heart attack, and you could you could pick a better time to have a heart attack in Florida. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So. I mean. There are, uh, you know, as of like two days ago, there are new precautions at the hospital that he's staying at. He's now off of a floor with COVID patients. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't have to walk halfway around the hospital to get to an elevator to avoid the COVID patients on the fourth floor anymore. He's now on the sixth floor. Um, but, you know, they've, they've shortened visiting hours. And now you can only have one visitor per day, um, as opposed to only one visitor at a time. Oofed. And uh, and now there's only one way in, and and one way out of you know. Before there was like you walked into the main entrance, and then there were two tables set up, 
but now there's only one table and it's on one side of the foyer and then on the other side of the foyer is where you exit and everything. So it's, you know, it is still very, very, very much a concern here as as well as in other places, mm-hmm. which we will discuss in Corey News. Oh, we will? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm looking forward yeah. to that then. Uh-huh. How one, are you doing? One way in and one way out. That's true for, for so many things. Uh, yes. Yeah, okay. It's been How a, was your week? It was a shortened week. I got up on, uh, well, because of MLK Day on Monday, I got up on Friday, convinced it was Thursday, and sat at my desk and realised it was Friday. And normally that doesn't happen. Normally it's the other way around. You think it's Friday and you sit down and it's Thursday, or you think it's Wednesday and it's actually Tuesday, that kind of thing. So this was me, I think, gaining a day nearer to the Mm -hmm. weekend, rather than further away from it, so... Well, that's nice. Yeah, but if that's the highlight of your week. <laughs> you had uh, parent-teacher conferences this week. If that's the so highlight well. of your week. <laughs> yeah, they were <sighs> they were um, contrasting. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, they were, it was actually all... Ah, uh, well. It, it could have been worse. It really yes, could have been worse. Absolutely. The teachers were telling me about uh, some of their uh, some of the kids in the class on the Zoom meetings are so resourceful, like so resourceful outside of the meeting or outside of the classroom right. that they have figured a way to MacGyver it. So rather than having them sitting in front of their camera, they've recorded themselves already and they've managed mm-hmm. to play the recording of themselves through the camera off their laptop so it looks like they're there and it looks like they're paying attention when actually they're still asleep or they're doing something right. else or they're on YouTube or whatever which right. you've kind of got to admire the ingenuity of that because <laughs> I don't think that's an easy thing to do I would have no idea where to start doing something like that because if I could right. if I could I would <laughs> some of my meetings some of my meetings that my socks are just made for the socks yes. it says this meeting is bullshit. This meeting think, is bullshit. What do you think of the socks I'm wearing today? Yes, it is. So, yeah, <laughs> we'll be glad to get you back. If for no other yes. reason than it'll give us some variety in the, the, the meals that have been getting cooked. It's difficult to come up with. Uh, when did you leave? You left the 3rd. You're coming back the 27th, so you're 24 days away. Almost so, a month. Yeah, so yeah. coming up for 24 different meals, which I haven't done. You know, there's been a the jambalaya has been a couple of times. Let's put it that way. So it's it's, it's mm-hmm. good not having to think about oh God. What we're we gonna have for dinner tonight? That's gonna be good yeah. not to not to have to think about. A plus other reasons, but yes. Well, I am looking forward to not having to eat either in a truck or in a bed. So I'm looking forward to eating a meal at an actual you know table in, inside. Yeah, rough cutlery as well, which is pretty impressive. Yes, yes. I mean, I've I've been eating some some really nice takeout, you know, from from my dinners, and there's a lot of really nice Thai restaurants, especially in the area around uh, Pensacola where I'm at. So, you know, and some days it's nice enough to eat outside, but but some night, some days it's rainy and and cold and gross. So it all depends. Yeah, well, it is 
It's I still warmer than Michigan. It's 10 degrees at the moment. I actually was... Yeah. Uh, I had to come home. This is, <laughs> this is us just having a normal catch-up conversation. Um, yeah, walking the dog yesterday, I, I had to quit like a quarter of the way into it because the wind was just tearing so through tearing through everything that I was wearing. <laughs> so normally I walk like two, two and a half, sometimes three miles at lunchtime. Mm-hmm. I, I think that was like just over three quarters of a mile then back. <laughs> it was, mm-hmm. was just awful. And 10 degrees this morning, so good stuff. Shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please. Give me some of that Baltic Cory news. ITV has suspended filming of Coronation Street as of Monday. Yep. Um, and as the new strain of COVID nineteen has really taken a bite out of out of the out of the country, um, the pause is only scheduled for two weeks and will allow the rewriting of scripts um, to accommodate um, newer um, enforcement of uh, social distancing, etc. And they are not expecting it to affect the schedule. So they're still thinking that they're going to be getting six episodes a week out. So we will see how that goes. Yeah, I think they had a couple of weeks off uh, round about Christmas, which they always right. do. Um, yeah. And from what I could see, this was, they almost were pitching it like a, a rejig of storylines kind of thing. Right. A rejig of plots because some things are going to be possible some things aren't i guess right so making those changes now which it seems like a prudent thing to do yeah yeah i was quite frankly shocked that uh that that this hadn't happened sooner i guess uh um some other live shows on itv have also um postponed like what is simon cowell's show now which one is this, is it the one the Britain's Got Talent one? Yeah. I think that is suspended. Or X Factor. I don't know if X Factor's still a thing. I think I, it is. Yeah, see that's that's the thing. I can't remember what which one of his things are still a thing. So Britain's Got Talent is definitely still a thing. So maybe that's what it was. And then, you know, there were conflicting reports. Some some reports said that EastEnders was um taking a hiatus as well and then mm-hmm. other things were like Corey is but EastEnders isn't so who knows all I know is is that if it gives some of my favorite soap actors two weeks off to keep themselves safe and and away from the virus then I am all for it right the return of Michelle question mark Kim Marsh has hinted that she's ready to return to the cobbles, although nothing has been announced officially. Um, she's just, she's been doing a, a daily show right. sort of talky thing. Uh, she just had hernia surgery and apparently she's got a role in um, a new movie. I don't know if it's a movie that we're going to see here in, in the U.S. But um, so she has been keeping busy since she's been off, but she has said that she very much Feels like she is ready to return. Did you know she's my age? Uh, exactly. Well, not. I don't think she and I share a birthday, but she's forty-four, just like me. Yeah, I thought she was round about my age. I thought she was younger than me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not 
not terribly younger, but a bit younger. Yeah. When did she leave? Was it two Christmases ago? Does she no, it, it was it was October two thousand nineteen that she left. Yeah, but her final show. scene would have been nearer the end of that year. Because yeah. that was the Robert storyline, wasn't it? Yep, yes yeah. it was. So that was like yeah, remember, 2019. Uh, you know, a handful of people left right before, you know, right before COVID struck. So, right, there was... Which was not the, not the right time to leave uh, a steady paycheck. Right, there was like three in a week or whatever, and, and some of them had planned it for a while and some of them hadn't, it sounded like. And then right. there was people who said they were going to leave, who didn't, and then right. <laughs> it was all a bit of a mess. Yes. Yeah, so she's only been away for like about a year. Right. You know, but... I mean, but, you know, Michelle could easily come back. It's not like Sinead. Do we need Michelle back? Rana. Do we need Michelle back? I kind of feel like Carla needs her bestie, if I'm honest. I think maybe we do. Uh, I always felt that she was a very unpopular character. No, yeah, I don't think she was very popular, but I, I do kind of feel like Carla doesn't have, you know, that 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 uh, that female friendship to kind of talk and complain about Peter, you know, and talk her out of doing something stupid like sleeping with Adam, you know, that that she kind of needs. I mean, she's got Roy. She's got Nina, and she's got Jenny, mm. but none of them are really, you know. So I don't know. And poor Nina is just spread a little thin. Finally, someone who will definitely be joining the cast is the actor Glenn Wallace, formerly of Hollyoaks and EastEnders. The actor will play a character named Lucas from Devon. So Lucas from guess- Devon. Lucas from Devon. Is that his last name from Devon? <laughs> no mention yeah. of Norris. No he, mention of what? Norris. What happened to Norris? He's officially retired. Oh, I didn't. I, that didn't come up in my um in my feed. I don't remember seeing that. Yeah. Oh, I no think more Norris. Malcolm Hebden had been uh, out for. For quite some time, as you know, uh, right up until the uh, Shady Acres storyline um, right. from was that was that last year? I think that was, was last, last year, year, wasn't yeah. it? Yep. Yeah, and it was it was a welcome return. It's a character that I've always quite enjoyed. Yes, I like Norris. The, the the old busybody. Um, yeah, and it, it, it's a character that is when you watch classic Coronation Street, there's there's always a character that's kind of like that, but Norris was a, right. a, a really good example of that. And uh, and so, yeah, so he's officially retired now. I think he made it to 27 years on the soap. No. Which is no no mean feat. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, it... If you're getting on in years and you're thinking about retiring from from a job that exposes you to lots of people, I think during a pandemic is the way to go. Yeah, and, and these, um, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if if more people started considering that um, as an option. Yeah, it didn't sound like his health had been that great. 
It was just a shame that the storyline that goes out on was the Shady Acres storyline. Well, he comes out in the end on, in Shady Acres. He becomes the president of the of Shady Acres. Yeah. Yes, yeah, and that didn't feel great. Because <laughs> that was all basically just get Ken back on the street and then Claudia left. So that whole storyline just, I don't know, it's a bit yeah. grim and bleak when I thought you know, it was going to be a great escape storyline and it turned out not to right. really be that at all. No. That's Corey News. Oh, well. That's Corey News. Our mailbag. John wrote in to say that the storylines with Dev, Addy and Asha have been great. And as I watched Dev and Addy doing their dance, I knew that that had to be a moment of the week. And, and it, indeed it was. It says about hotel rooms in the UK, the likes of Premier Inn, etc. charge per room, but other hotels would charge based on the number of people staying. So it seems like they have a little bit of a... A little from column A and a little from column B in that regard. Column B, yes. And now this. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to last year tonight with me, John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about Japanese fish balloon. Remember that one? I'm guessing not. Japanese fish balloon. Took me to remember like it. Like a, a balloon shaped like a koi? I'm, I'm guessing that's what it meant. Mm. This was an attempt by Bernie to get back into Chez and Gemma's good books. So she bought them Japanese fish balloons. I, I think for the kids. Mm. I was yeah, Gavin, I think that's for the kids. I was Gavin and you could not be fucking bothered. That was really. That was your intro. Yep. You could not be fucking. That must have been bothered. a really. It must have been a really bad week. No, you had been uh, staying up late watching The Witcher. Oh, that's right. No, no, I listened to it. That's 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 right because that that actually came up in my um in my Facebook memories. The fact that I was like, oh, fine, I'm gonna finally watch The Witcher. You know, because everybody's like, you should watch The Witcher. And I was like, fine, I'll watch The Witcher. And then it turned out that I loved The Witcher, and I, I can't wait for it to come back. It may be my favourite Harry Cavill role. I still don't know what it is. After encouraging vigilantes <laughs> to the house and seeing Billy cutting around his flat half-naked, Bernie is encouraged to get her taxi off of the cobbles, because remember, she left for a while, and then they, right. then they decided what kind of character she had to be, and then they brought her back. Yep. Somehow David is allowed to cart off a clearly terrified Shona out of the hospital and off to a maternity unit in Leeds while Max is shipped to Marion's, who may or may not have a flight of stairs for him to run up. Charlie plays a blinder against Tim and then with the help of Jenny becomes an utter irritant in everyone's storylines that week. Bethany agrees to pick up her creative writing course because Daniel thinks it's a decent idea. Jade's heritage remains as confusing as ever and apparently police no longer look in attics when We Hope goes missing. Oh, We Hope. She's not been in it forever. Oh. Abby is pretty much the only person on the street capable of getting stuff done. Isn't it strange how history repeats itself almost in, in 52 weekly cycles? Sarah wears leather trousers. The moment of the week was Abby saving Gemma and the quads from the fire. And the boring moment of the week was Chesney and Gemma arguing about who gets to have a nap. And that was Coronation Street and the talk of the street this time last year. <laughs> Doesn't sound like it was the best week. No, yeah. <laughs> Last time we saw, we, we saw, we hope like a month ago. Remember when she wanted a vintage tracksuit? Oh, that was, yeah, that was a, that was a, you know, a good few weeks ago now. Yeah. Anyway, 
Shall we dive in, Medea? Yes, please. Our first storyline today is GTF Day. The day when everyone can GTF. So this was Monday, and there was really several storylines that were all round about people having to move house. So I've kind of right, thrown yeah. all them together. Personally, I think Monday was the best day of the week. Yeah. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. The, yeah. wh- the white van from last week comes herring around the corner onto Coronation Street, and Ray Weinstein is unceremoniously dumped on at the cobbles. Out comes Gay Mick, the gangster that wanted to Yay! kill you, Todd. Gay Remember Mick. Gay Mick? I love Gay Mick. I love Gay Mick. I was sad that he only had that one scene. I expected him to jump out of the van, then get a phone call on his mobile phone and turn his back on Ray, <laughs> thus allowing him to be twatted over the head <laughs> for the third time. Sadly, that didn't happen. He warns Ray that he has 24 hours to get him his money or he'll be swimming with the fishies, see? But... Wait a minute, because Mick's a really low-level gangster, isn't he? No, he's he's a loan shark, isn't he? No, he was a gangster. Because he had a shooter, remember? He had the gun. Right, yeah, but I think he was also kind of a loan shark as well. No, because Todd worked for him to launder money. Right. I think he was a gangster. I don't understand what him and Ray Weinstein have it sounds in common like, oh, to work with together on anything. It sounds like Ray must have borrowed money from him on something. I don't think he's a loan shark. Well, he can't maybe, be a loan shark. Maybe, yeah, maybe he, he was trying to launder money through one of Ray's hotels no, and Ray tried to cheat him out of his money or something. I don't know. I don't know. As Ray has a, 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 string, a string of hotels and he's borrowing money from Supposedly, I don't know. Supposedly, he has a string of hotels because he also seems like he's out of money and out of luck, and he's only ever at the bistro. And, so, and he does go to his hotel. Let's give him credit. He goes to a hotel, a hotel, so that's not a string of hotels. So it is if you walk around the block and go back in there again. <laughs> but you know what? You know what? Any excuse to see Gay Mick again is is all right with me yeah. because that is a character I love. Yeah, it's good fun. It's get to fuck day, and Yasmin is feeding her chooks well all your packs. Yasmin can't really face it, plus Tim's dad's already burned most of her stuff. But Alia points right. out that they're getting rid of the last of Tim's dad's stuff from the house, and new beginnings, yada, yada, yada. Right. Then Tim is eating Cocoa Pops out of Sally's Claris Cliff, but not like that. He doesn't want to move. He thinks this is a crossroads Uh-oh. in the... He thinks this is a crossroads in their lives. They can either do the safe, predictable thing and move half a mile down the road, or they can do the batshit crazy thing and move to Spain. Sally thinks he's joking and wanders off to continue packing. And meanwhile, David is packing up his moving van, but not carefully enough for Gail's liking. No one is looking forward to moving to the dogs and guns estate, even if it is only a temporary measure. Abby passes by right. and tells him about Ray's judicial review thing, but David points out that they're moving. They're moving today... They've been fucked right. over, but it's time to move on. Right. In the bistro, Ray is on the phone promising Mick half the money, then on the phone to Miles telling him to transfer the funds for the purchases when Debbie comes in. Ray is holding frozen peas to his boobs. Debbie wants to know what's happened to the money to close on numbers four and six because they'll be fucked if the contracts fall through. He claims it's in hand and then gets a text and has to hurry off leaving Debbie dumbfounded and short. We're, we're approaching the kind of demise of, of 
any credibility that Ray's got as a as a villain here. Right. Because a few weeks ago he had everything, everything in in line. He was offering ridiculous sums of money to buy people out right. of their house and all that sort of stuff. And very very quickly, any credibility that he had has been just kind of ebbed away and ebbed away. And he's kind of made to look like a bit of a buffoon in all this. He's Ross from Friends. Yeah, well, you know, he's... Um, Debbie hinted a few weeks ago. It's like, look, you can't you can't afford to be offering people... You can't just keep throwing money at the problem because we don't have enough money to throw at this pro. you know. So the, it was kind of hinted at that he's not... He's not as great of a businessman as he seems to think that he is. You know, that's that's definitely been hinted at before. So, and and again, you know, he he makes all these claims about having all of this money and having the string of hotels and stuff. But we haven't really seen that. We haven't really seen any evidence of that ever. So it... It's always kind of seemed like a lot of his credibility was all in his head anyway, and he just talks a good game. Yeah, he kind of loves the life of it, but I don't think that really proves anything. Anyway, back at Sally's, Tim is still pushing the Spain idea, thinking it'll be great for Faye. Then Sally, voice of the audience, thinks this is the most ill-conceived idea that Tim's ever had. They bicker, and he puts his foot down, which makes Faye grab her jacket and leave. You're on your own, senior Muppet, says Sally. And so be it. Mm-hmm. Then Tim goes round to Maria's to look for Faye, but she's not there. Maria doesn't think Spain is the answer for Faye. She won't get away from her own head. Tim insists this is best. It's his job to protect her and keep her out of prison. But Faye, of course, is in the community garden waiting for a metaphor. Unfortunately, it's Craig who turns up. He mumbles a bit about not getting his hole and that he's sorry for uh, getting Gary lifted, but he wants to remain friends. He misses her. Faye smiles and agrees and asks what's new. He completed the Rubik's Cube, he said. What's new with you? Oh, I nearly got raped off of Ray. Ah, well, my Rubik's Cube, yeah. though, says Craig. Uh, yeah, and this is something that is going to annoy me all week long. <laughs> all week long, this whole... Because, you know, we were we were working under the assumption that everybody else knows and understands that the first time they had sex... Mm-hmm. was rape. Yep. But this week proves that everybody seems to be in agreement with Faye that the first time wasn't rape, when in fact it absolutely was rape. Yeah. And this is going to annoy me all week long Yeah. If, about this. If there's an airplane line of people waiting to speak to someone this week, it seems to be Faye and the line of people are just there to listen to what she's got to say and not say, wait a minute. Are you are you yeah. are you sure this was consensual? Are right. you sure you weren't coerced into this? Are right. you sure you weren't threatened by your boss that you're going to lose your job if you didn't? Right. And she does she does kind of I don't I don't remember who, but there there's at least one time where she does say that she was wor- that that she thought that it was the thing that you were supposed to do. Yeah, I think that was last you week. You know. That she was gonna that she might lose her job if she didn't do it. But still, not one person has is, is, is said to her, not even the police have said to her, no, that, that's actually rape. Yeah. You, you were raped. And that just makes me so angry. Yeah, I'm, I'm still waiting for it to be addressed. And the longer that it goes, the, the less 
convinced that Amla that it's going to be addressed because yeah. there's so, so many opportunities here to put it right and she as a character has been let down by everyone she's telling the story to Absolutely. and I don't know if that's deliberate I don't know if that's to serve a later story or if that's going to come back but at the moment it is incredibly frustrating yeah, so raising absolutely. this hotel room with Phoebe Buffet from the planning committee this judicial mm-hmm. review thing has really unnerved her. She needs an exit strategy by which she means 20 grand or she sings like a bird if they get nicked and she might even make out that she was coerced into it. And coerced isn't a word Ray likes to hear, but his money is tied up in the house purchases. Too bad, says Phoebe. Pay up. Right. So back with Faye, she must have told the whole story to Craig because she's worried that she cheated on him. He doesn't care about that and claims that he would have twatted Ray if he'd known... Faye doesn't know what to do. Gary is taking the rap for her and Tim wants to run away to Spain. She asks if she should hand herself in. And Craig, whose scruples are as appalling as ever, tells her to decide herself. He's not going to stick his oar in, but it doesn't seem fair that Ray can wander around while she might up in, might end up in jail. And despite the advice from a policeman, Faye decides to come clean after all. Mm-hmm. And this... <laughs> talking, to, <laughs> talking about things about this that, that bugged you, this... This really bugged me because Craig has been, you know, he he kind of sticking his nose into everything. <laughs> right, I was going to say he plays fast and loose with the rules, but he's not that kind of cop. He's not he's not the Starsky and or Hutch of this. He's just by no. his ineptness, he plays fast and loose with the rules. But here he has someone in front of him, basically confessing to a crime that mm-hmm. she assaulted Adam. And if he right. is doing his uh, his sticking his nose in policeman always on 24-7 routine, as we saw when he apprehended Gary, he right. should be apprehending her. She's admitted Absolutely. to a crime and he's letting it go. Right. So he chooses to let this go. So Nick, yeah. Nick pops round to number eight to help with the flip. David's already away on a run to the estate and it's Gail who's left in a near empty house. She's not enjoying this one little bit and she doesn't want to move. She's too old to live in a scummy estate. Plus they've got a sleeping on a futon. And it's like, oh dear, poor Gail. Poor Gail. I've never felt so sorry for her. Nick is worn down and tells her that she can move in with him and Sam at Natasha's. I thought you'd never ask, says Gail. Mm Mm-hmm. Then Abby catches up with Roy on his way to... And that was lovely. Sorry, I I just, you know. Wanted to comment on the fact that, considering that last week or or two weeks ago, Nick and and, um, David seem to have been playing Rochambeau to figure out who who loses and gets Gale. You know, for Nick to kind of make a turnaround and say, why don't you come and, and live with us and get to know your grandson? It yeah. just, was just a very lovely thing. I, I don't know. I, I think he couldn't not. Yeah. There's no way that he could have been having that conversation with her, listening to what she had to say, talk about sleeping on a fucking fit, uh, futon. Right. Basically on the floor. That's what she yeah. said. It's going to take her half the day to get up. Right. <laughs> you can't listen to that and think, well, okay, Mum, I'll see you later. I mean, let's be honest. I couldn't sleep on a futon. It would take me half a day to get up. I remember when we moved into this house, before we had the bed frame, the mattress was on the floor for the first few days. Yeah. Rolling off of that onto the floor to get up is not a good way to wake up in the morning. It's no, it's really not. just awful. 
So, Abby catches up with Roy on his way to remortgage the cafe so he can pay for the judicial review. He tells her it could take months to go through, though. But people are moving but today, says Abby. There's fuck all I can do about that, says Roy, and he goes off to catch his bus. Then Sally bumps into Maria outside Roy's rolls, and there's a classic confusion where they both think that the other knows everything that the other one knows, and Maria thinks Spain will be a great move for everyone, and Gary mm-hmm. agrees too. She's been through so much, poor Faye, she just needs to move on with her life, and Sally doesn't have a clue what Maria's going on about. Yeah, but she's pretending that she does, right. which is hilarious. Yep. David's back at number eight, and now he knows that Gail is moving in with Nick. He suddenly realises how much he relies on his mum, and he begs her to move to the scummy estate with him and the kids. Right, yeah. No chance, says Gail. Yeah. (laughs) This was quite amusing. Um, On the the Monday and the Wednesday, you're right, it's gone from doing rock, paper, scissors to decide who uh, gets rid of Gail, and now they're kind of almost fighting with each other to actually get her. She's, right. she's suddenly become a commodity that, that has value when her absence has right. suddenly floated. That's quite, that's quite good. So Tim's duck out his passport and legitimately looking like he's willing to move to Spain and leave Sally with the flit to the rental all on her own without explaining why. And Sally demands mm-hmm. to know what's going on with Faye. Back at the bistro, Debbie's on the phone to Miles, the attorney. The money to close on the house has gone. Then in comes Ray, and he says that he needed it for something else. Business has been slow, and he had some cash flow problems. Debbie isn't buying it, and has figured out that he's been paying off some heavies. Yeah, and Phoebe Buffet, says Ray. Brilliant, says Debbie. That leaves us a whole hour to find the money, or we're in breach of contract. Have a better face, says Ray. So Faye's gone to the police station, and she's been interviewed by DS Whatever. And she tells him the whole unlikely story about mistaken identity and attempted rape. It's, the funniest thing about that was DS whatever kind of looking at Faye and saying, Adam must be like six feet tall. Right. <laughs> As this is going on, Tim is explaining to Sally and Craig comes round to tell them that Faye's at the police station telling the truth. Well, that's Spain fucked, says Tim. And Ray seems to be on the phone to the bank begging for a loan when Miles comes into the bistro. Debbie tries to get shirty with him, but he doesn't know anything about Ray's financial situation. He just moves money around when he has to. And then Ryan's got his hands in a moving van and an empty cup of coffee. And Jasmine is ready to get moving. And then Ryan says that he's been speaking with Abby and has learned all about the judicial review and maybe the sales won't be going ahead today. After all, the fat lady hasn't Mm -hmm. sung. Yasmin, though, is keen for a fresh start away from the ghost of Tim's dad. The Dalia gets a call from their solicitor. Ray can't complete today, and there ain't enough blue pills in the world to make that happen. <laughs> Poor Ray. It happens to the best of us. Tim and Sally are at the police station. Tim isn't impressed with the customer service. He wants to see <laughs> Faye, but the cop points out that Faye is 18 and doesn't qualify for a chaperone, so just shut up and sit tight. Right. Then back at number eight, David is mowing Gail's slippers when Alia barges in, and she explains about the call from the solicitor and raise problems with completing. <clears throat> Gail thinks this might mean that they don't need to move, so David goes to have a word to find out. At the police station, Faye is explaining why she didn't come forward about the rape. Because she'd had sex with him before, asks DS Whatever, who joins the list of Craig, Tim, Sally, Gary and Maria, who have all heard this story and haven't pointed out to Faye that being coerced into having sex is rape. 
Faye right. wants to know if she's going to go to prison. Probably, says DS whatever. There's an unnamed woman sitting in the corner of the room throughout this. And Ray seems yeah, to... Yeah, she's, she's the, you know, because she she's the one taking the transcript of the... Of the um, of the interview, I thought they had tapes to do that. Well, I think I think in um, in instances where it's it's a young woman, they have to have two police officers in the room. I think so they have to have two police officers in the room, but I thought they taped it. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, she was just kind of sitting out of focus a little bit, almost right. like a ghost that wasn't really supposed to be there yeah so ray seems to have got another 10 days to do his best think of his seven times table like a good boy and complete debbie at this point thinks that she'd be better off being in business with kirk what with all the cock-ups that ray's been responsible for <laughs> <laughs> and at this in comes david who takes a lot of joy from walking in on the, on hearing that uh, ray's got a top 10 of cock-ups Back at the station, Sally's been surprised on the phone to Yasmin. Her sale has fallen through and Sally wonders if she'll be affected by this. Along comes PC Tinker, who confirms that DS Whatever will be out to talk them through what happened about Faye. And Tim isn't impressed with PC Tinker and suspects that he talked Faye into confessing just to get a promotion. Sure. <laughs> sure, Tim. That's, that's, that's exactly what happened. Yep, he's going to be the chief constable of the Weatherfield Police because he's managed to talk Faye into confessing to Twat and Adam with an award on uh, right. on New Year's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get promoted for that. Some friend you turned out to be, says Tim. At the bistro, David floats the idea that if Yasmin doesn't move, he doesn't see why he should move. And even if Ray and Debbie do own number eight and he's renting it back, maybe he'll just stay put. Ray threatens him mm -hmm. with some not very nice men in a white van who will persuade him otherwise. Who I presume is gay Mick. Right. Later, Faye is released under investigation and they'll be back in touch. But she can go home and Tim thinks Ray is the one what needs arresting. Ray comes into speed dial to put them right on his ability to complete. He's confident they'll be able to do it tomorrow so crack on with your packing. He's about to leave when Yasmin has something to get off her chest and she tells him that yeah. he reminds her of someone that she used to know, another nasty bully. She has no intention of leaving until she gets paid. So jog on your prick. Yeah. That was kind of fantastic. Complete, yeah, it was absolutely fantastic and also it was absolutely true. He can't go around and threaten people that he hasn't closed a deal on that they should still keep packing because... Or else he's going to send, you know, nasty men to... Because <coughs> he threatens her as well with nasty men, mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, which is ridiculous because the nasty men in the white fan came and got him because he needs to pay them. <laughs> so Debbie's right. You know, a huge part of Ray's problem is that he keeps going around and, and threatening people and winding people up yep. when he doesn't need to do that. No, absolutely. He's he's the creator of his own problems. Yeah. <laughs> By some distance. Yeah. Number eight, poor Gail is sitting on a box in the empty living room. And David comes in to tell her that they still need to move. And Gail starts crying. I was just fucking heartbroken at this. this was oh, yeah, that was pretty awful. awful. It's the stark image of her being... Sitting on the only item that's left in that... That very poorly decorated living room, it has to be said. Right. But uh, 
she, her, you know, her head down, just sitting on the box, and then when she she's waiting for David to come back with some good news, and he doesn't, and then she just yeah. the, the the tears start to flow. I was like, oh my god! Yeah. Just it, remem- it reminded me of leaving my mum's house after we we cleared all that out. That was just awful as well. Yeah, that was pretty awful. This is what that looked like. Yeah, she says this was her home, and even and even making you know, and even making that into a Bernie meme later in the week didn't make it less awful. No, <laughs> no, it was still heartbreaking. Oh, definitely. This <laughs> this was her home. She doesn't want to leave. Neither does he. She worries that they won't see each other, uh, but he insists that they will because they don't have a washing machine. He, <laughs> he shoes her out with Nick and takes one last look at the place and locks up. And nobody takes that box out. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. So what was in the box? What was in the box? It was Tim's dad's head. <laughs> John Doe has the upper hand. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm going to continue to make that seven joke until yeah, yeah. And somebody I, I says that they get it. And, and, and I will continue to set up that seven joke for you <laughs> every time. <laughs> Back home, Yasmin has found some spunk after her run-in with Ray. She meant what she but said. But not like that. Yep. Until Ray pays, she's going nowhere. She won't be chased out of her own home, not to Ray, not to the ghost of Tim's dad. And she and Alia have a wee chuckle at how shite a magician Tim's dad really was. <laughs> yeah, he was awful. Yes, he really was. He was the worst. At the bistro, Ray's day is about to get worse when Deus Whatever arrives wanting to speak with Ray about a serious allegation. This is, do you know what, how you said that you like Deus Whatever? Yeah. This is prime this great Deus Whatever because he just lets Ray talk. And, right, yeah. I and, loved that. I loved it, that. And we don't really see this tactic very often. Or no. maybe because of time or something, you have to get to the point. But they just they really do just let Ray talk. Oh, this'll yeah. be about that scummy Abby who who thinks that I've been intimidating her. Well, have you been? It just it's beautiful how <laughs> yeah. he just it just lets Ray walk into this. Right, and you know, and and uh that that old bat you yep. know, has that old bat been complaining that I've been threatening her? Yep. Well, have you? <laughs> Just perfect. And Debbie finally gets him to shut you. Right. Because he would have he would have kept on. He would have absolutely kept on just going through a list of people that it might be who have put in a complaint against him. Yep, that's exactly what I've got written down. We would have been here all night. <laughs> yep. So Debbie tells him to shut before he really puts his foot in it and deals whatever arrests Ray on the suspicion of attempted rape. And Fate is outside on the phone explaining these events to Gary when Tim comes out and they both watch Ray getting loaded at the back of the police car and driven off. And no matter what happens, says Faye, it's been worth it. So that was Monday. And we can c- kind of mm-hmm. continue a couple of branches of that storyline through the rest of the week. The first one of those being the new Yasmin is just like the old Yasmin. Mm-hmm. On Wednesday... Thanks to another storyline, Alia is off with Abby, so Yasmin is back at the helm of Speed Dal, but is frantic with worry because she can't find her uniform. And when Alia helps by rummaging through some boxes, Yasmin blurts out that Tim's dad hates mess. And she catches herself, though, and ushers Alia off, saying that she's fine. I'm kind of partly happy about this because it, it feels true. But, yeah. But the Wednesday Yasmin compared to the end of Monday Yasmin feel like different people because the end of Monday Yasmin had got her spunk back. Right. And on Wednesday she feels like, like she's, she feels like she's lost it a little bit again. She's, well, she's you know, blown it. As, 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 as Tim's mum kind of points out when, you know, 
further along in the storyline, when she first walks in and, and is surprised that Yasmin is working, you know, she's surprised, you know, it's, it's, Yasmin has been through so much, and, you know, the, the, the thing with, um, with Ray, where she stands up to Ray, that is from, from the point of view of the house, yep. you know, and, and she's kind of made her amends with the house, but she hasn't really made, she hasn't been working at Speed Doll, so she, she still has the ghost of Tim's dad there at Speed Doll as, you know, somebody who worked at Speed Doll and, and coerced himself into becoming a part owner of Speed Doll, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are different, there will still be different Yasmeens for, for different aspects of her life where she hasn't really confronted this yet. Right. So Anya gets back from her other storyline. Speed Doll was locked and Yasmin hasn't set any tables even though it's lunch. Yasmin says they didn't have any bookings. Then in comes Sean and Dylan from their storyline. Then in comes Tim's mum, who is shocked to see Yasmin back at work, telling Aya that it's way too soon. Yes. And later, Yasmin has screwed up an order and starts slapping her head, calling herself stupid. Tim's mum is still there and tells her to breathe and calm down. We all make mistakes. So things do calm down, and Yasmin admits that Tim's dad is in her head all the time. She doubts herself, and Tim's mum reminds her that Tim's dad is gone and she should try to do some daily acts of defiance, do things that Tim's dad would hate. Alia thinks this is a great idea. Also, maybe some therapy scene as you watch your abusive husband fall to his death. Right, and was abused by said husband mm-hmm. for over a year. On Friday, Tim's mum has left and has come back to find Alia away at the cash and carry because there's no, this isn't tomorrow because of right. another storyline. Tim's mum right. has left and has come back to find Alia away at the cash and carry. She's concerned about Yasmin and offers to help out. She's well-versed in the concepts behind waitressing, such as smiling at arseholes. There's just one thing in her car that she needs to put in the office, and Yasmin gives her the okay. And Tim's mum, struggling with a card reader, and when she thinks about using the register, she ends up telling a frankly ridiculous story about getting her fingers caught in a till once, and her fingers all swelling up, and Tim's dad calling her sausage fingers for a month, and then forcing her to eat sausages for breakfast every day. Right? Really? Well, it's a ridiculous story, but it's a believable story because we've we've seen what Tim's dad is like. I don't know. This kind of had the the Gremlins two stories where Phoebe Cates is trying to explain how her dad got killed in the chimney a little bit. Just this really <laughs> re- really weird random anecdote. This sad anecdote, and she tells another one later on in the week or later on in the in the storyline. Tim's mum right. seems to be. Do you? Turning into a comedy character here? It's fine if you are, I'm just I'm just curious. Right. Anyway. So in comes Evelyn, who makes Tim's mum worse but simply by ordering a smoothie and wanting it now without the chit chat. Less of the chit chat, more of the chop chop, says Evelyn. That's a great right. line. Later in another storyline, uh, Tim's mum fucks up a capuchu order, but despite this, Yasmin offers her a week's trial with a view to a permanent role at Speed Dal. And Tim's mum mm-hmm. is thrilled and goes to the office for the rota, but someone's left the door open and Tinkerbell's gone. Gone, I tells you. I am Timbot4000, what the fuck is a Tinkerbell? Well, all you have to do is clap your hands then. <laughs> Isn't that how you get a fairy back? <laughs> Let's clap your hands. Or th- is it believe? I don't know. I can't remember. I think you also have to clap your hands, at least in the musical. Anya comes back and screams, It's a rat! But it's not. It's Tinkerbell, a small, yappy-type dog that Tim's mum is looking after. 
Tinkerbell has pissed on the floor and Alia tells Tim's mum to take the dog out before it shits everywhere too. So off they go, Tim's mum and Yasmin for some reason, leaving Alia to mop up the dog piss. Right. So Tim's mum talks about the dogs that she's had since she abandoned Tim. There was a Yorkie called Gus, I think, and a Great Dane who also had a name. She tries to talk Yasmin into getting a dog, but Yasmin is happy with her chickens, thank you very much. And chickens certainly can be cuddled. Along, yes. Along comes Evelyn and Cerberus. Evelyn, thanks. You yourself? You yourself have cuddled a chicken once. I also, uh, I hypnotised it. Along comes Evelyn and Cerberus. Evelyn thinks her dog is confused about what Tinkerbell is, and she says it's just an accessory, not a dog, just fit for a handbag. What a rude woman, Tim's mum says, once Evelyn is out of earshot. Sweetheart says, Yasmin, you done gone you and know no the, the half of it. <laughs> and later, Tim's mum and Evelyn meet up again, and they're a bit more civil to each other. Evelyn explains that Cerberus used to be a racing greyhound before uh, Evelyn retired him. And Tim's mum says that she's a contact for the dog shelter, specialising in helping damaged dogs like Tinkerbell, who was literally kept in a handbag by her previous owner. And the two of them seem right. to bond over this, so that when uh, Yasmin comes out the store, she hasn't a clue what's just gone on. And that's as far right. as we get with that this week. And and Tim's mum says, I think that was an apology, you know, because Evelyn is kind of, you know, she has made assumptions about Tinkerbell and about Tim's mum. Yep. And uh, and is is show, is shown the door by Tim's mum a little bit there about about it, because you know, if, if, at first. She she makes some rude comments about see this is what you should have done you should have rescued a dog instead of getting, uh, you know this little yappy Pekingese, and and Tim's mom says well did you did you uh, rescue Cerberus and mm-hmm. you know she's got a point because it's not like Cerberus is some some mutt you know he's he's a purebred greyhound we know greyhound, this yeah. yes. And I mean that is that is a rescue because um, greyhound racing is awful, and they treat those dogs horribly, and it should be just done away with completely. Yeah, my friend. Eventually, my friend Steve had a. Um, I think he still does actually has a retired greyhound, who was very much like Cerberus. The joints aren't yeah. great. The knees aren't great. The arthritis is probably, you know, pretty painful for the poor thing. Right. After all those years and years and years of being kind of forced into running. Right. But yeah, so they bond over the dogs, which which they would, because Evelyn is very much her... Cerberus is more than a pet to her. Absolutely. And so I think when they realise that they have that in common, other than both being women of a certain age... Right. Uh, where you would hope that they would see eye to eye on things it was nice to see the two of them because i like both of them so the two of them right and and also we have these these two classic comedic actresses you know of 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 tv past and movie past yep you know coming together on coronation street we are blessed (laughs) we are blessed to have the two of them and to have the two of them together and, and doing stories together. More of this, please. Yeah, and I'm really pleased that, although it was a little bit contrived and not entirely believable how, well, I think Yasmin maybe feels like she owes Tim's mum something, at least to give her a chance. But right. the fact that she's getting a um, a position at Speed Dial kind of means that they're, they're keeping her, at least for a little while. 
Yeah, and, and so I'm happy about that. And I'm thrilled about that. So yeah, it's, it's, let's enjoy Paula Wilcox and uh, Maureen Lippman yes. together Absolutely. for as long as we possibly can while it's there because these are the kind Absolutely. of things that, that make kind of classic characters as far as Coronation Street's concerned. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, Yasmin, when she offers Tim's mom the job, you know, says that she's she's a calming influence on her. And I think I think that's I think that's true because because Tim's mom has been through what Yasmin has already been through and kind of knows what works as far as coping mechanisms and stuff. I think it is I think it would be calming for her and I think it's yeah, a good idea yeah. for them to you know, to bond like this. Although the last thing... Plus, they need somebody. They need somebody else at Speed <laughs> Dog. Tim's dad's not there. Because Tim's dad's gone. <laughs> Personally, the last thing I need is somebody to tell me to breathe. Just... <laughs> that does not help me. So, well, Tim's mum, just back off. <laughs> <laughs> I know that I need to breathe. Our next storyline today. Just a quick couple of scenes just finishing off the, the Gale bit from Monday. Uh, where Gail seems to be in demand. On Wednesday, Gail, who doesn't work at the factory, is at the factory to see how Nick's doing. He's like a half-shut knife. He didn't sleep well. He had dreams about being attacked by crickets. Gail says that's her ASMR app. Forest mm-hmm. murmurs that she uses to get to sleep. Fucking brilliant, mm-hmm. says Nick. Well, at least you got to get to sleep. And she points out that they're out of butter or spread. She doesn't know which one that he takes and Nick doesn't seem to care. She says mm-hmm. that the factory is a mess and offers her services uh, to clean up. She says that she can start tonight, working out of hours to give Nick and Sam some quality time together. And time without, yeah. time without Gail is appealing to Nick, so Gail is hired and then decides that he wants butter and eggs. So Gail can yes. make him some eggs and soldiers. Yes. And on the way back from the co-op, laden with bags, she bumps into David. His new house is sticky, he says, and he's jealous mm-hmm. that Nick is getting eggs and soldiers. He's under the impression that Granny Gail will still be picking up the kids because it's Wednesday. Gail doesn't think this is fair because she's going to have to traipse across town, but she eventually agrees and also agrees to make David eggs and soldiers. You're a legend, <laughs> says David, and that's as far as we get with that. I, I am enjoying all the Gail appreciation. <laughs> I'm coming round. I'm, I'm for the moment, I feel like I'm coming round. Uh, yeah, good. I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying the insidious way that Gail seems to manage to uh, worm herself a job <laughs> out of her out of her offspring because she did the same way with David at the at the barbers. Yes, I remember that. Oh, you need a cleaner. Well, I'll be your cleaner, and it's right. <laughs> And it's well, like neither least, one of them want to give her a job, really. But at, at, yeah, well, and at least Nick says, "Yeah, we've we've been meaning to hire somebody to do that. We just haven't had a chance to, you know." So that job, at least, was something that that Nick really did need somebody to do. Whereas they really didn't need Gail at the barbers. No, she was just there to be old at a hipster place. Was basically her right. her role there was to be the I don't know. The the Atari cartridge and the and the I don't know how to complete that metaphor, but anyway. In the PlayStation Five. There we go. That'll do. Moving on, our next one is multi-level Sean. On Monday at the factory, Sean goes to see Nick, who already knows that he's looking for time off because that's the only reason that people go and speak to their boss at uh, Underworld, it seems. (laughs) 
it's really important, guesses Nick. <coughs> and Sean explains that it is because Dylan has been suspended from school and for some reason this means that he has to stay with Sean. Nick tells right. him to take all the time that he needs. So later, Sean and Dylan are in speed dial. Sean asks why Dylan got suspended, but the kid doesn't want to talk about it. All he says that he doesn't want to go back to that school. And Sean refuses to leave until he knows what's up. Eventually, he guesses that Dylan is being bullied because Sean's gay. Sean wants to call the school, but Dylan thinks that'll make matters worse and runs away again. Mm-hmm. But rather than find him on the ginnel with Todd, Sean finds Dylan sitting on the pavement. I think at the viaduct. He explains that he was bullied as a kid and he's learned that you don't get anywhere by running away from your problems, says Sean. Tackle them head on, like that, <laughs> like that time I was homeless. Now come on and I'll get you a treat. On the Wednesday, Sean is with Dylan and Roy's Rolls with a promise of going to speed down later before he has to go back to that London. Sean reveals that he and Violet are going to complain to the school about the bullying, and if it doesn't stop, Sean has an idea that Dylan can live with him, and he's even got plans to get his own place. And Dylan mm-hmm. seems up for it, because he didn't initially seem up for it if getting his own place was was not on the cards, and he was going to have right. to live with Sean, with Mary and uh, Eileen, Eileen, and, and, and whoever, Todd. whoever else is living in that house, right? <laughs> or the people in the attic. Between the walls. Dylan goes mm. to pick up a bun and Sean nabs Chesney. He's heard that Gemma sold out of her product at Christmas and he's due his fucking commission. Money's tight for Ches, but Sean doesn't really care. He wants what no. he's due. So Chesney's day gets worse when Kirk decides to talk to him. And then it gets worse again. After riffing confusedly about kebab machines, Kirk decides that the theft of the makeup money wasn't really his fault. And now he needs that money that he lent Ches for the presents back because Beth's starting to wonder where his wages went. Ches promises to repay him as soon as he can. Nice one, says Kirk. So Gemma goes to see Chesney and Ches is surprised that Gemma was working commission for Sean. Oh, didn't I tell you, says Gemma, who now needs some money for the lecky bill and then gets a call from Beth. Fuck my life, says Chesney. He has to come clean to Gemma about the Christmas presents and it doesn't matter because now they owe Sean, Kirk and now the lecky company. In Speed Dial, Dylan is worried that Sean can't afford a new house. Dylan is remarkably sensible. Yes. And has been since he came into it because he's been worried about uh, Sean's ability to pay for things (laughs) every time he opens his mouth. Sean puts his fears to rest by telling a very abridged story of how he ended up homeless a couple of years ago but was saved by some friends. Carol's name is not mentioned. Dylan does not say, why didn't you tell me or my mum if you were homeless? And this experience is why he's become such a money-centric prick now with the money-level, with the multi-level marketing scam that he's currently involved in. I'm proud of you, Dad. I'm proud of you, Dad, says Dylan. Then Gemma, who doesn't work at the factory, goes to see Sean at the factory and asks him for six weeks to pay back what she owes him. Sean basically laughs her out of the factory, telling her that the five kids she has to feed should be motivation enough for her to succeed in selling shitty makeup or signing up some other saps uh, to sell it for her. And he threatens her with some Ridian character, presumably the guy above Sean. And Michael is in the background and he hears all of this. So he talks to Sean and it seems the quality of the merch has really kind of gone down since the sample uh, selection was given out. Was that what that bit was? I kind of got confused. I don't don't really care. (laughs) And Michael has pulled out, but not like that. He tells Sean that Gemma's not cut out for this either. Yeah, well, maybe Michael should have pulled out like that. 
And then we wouldn't have this stupid Grace storyline. Yeah, which we will get to, unfortunately. <laughs> and has too much on her plate. He thinks that she's drowning and Sean doesn't give much in the way of a shit here one way or the other. Right. And Gemma goes to see Chez and Roy's rolls. Sean won't write off the 85 quid or whatever that uh, she owes him and wants her to sign other idiots up. And Chez's moral compass throws a little bit of a wobbly here. He doesn't think it's morally right when she knows that it's a total rip-off, but maybe signing some other people up is the way to go. So later, Sean is in the pub with Eileen, bragging about how his financial advisor thinks that just eight more months of saving up should get him on the property ladder, finally. He goes on to call uh, taking Dylan to Roy's Rolls and speed dial in one day, pulling out all the stops for the kid. Then mm. Gemma comes in with her old, horrible, divorced pal Vanessa. Sean turns on the charm and Vanessa bites his hand off to sign up to the shitty makeup pyramid scheme using her divorce money as ca- as collateral. Mm. On Friday, Sean is back in Roy's Rolls chatting to Roy about cream horns and how long it's been since he's had one and then Roy mentions about getting cream all round about his mouth. Mm. Mm. Two on on the nose I know what they were trying to do Because it's fucking obvious What they were trying to do But You know It it, it does not feel like First of all That doesn't feel like A good joke to put in the mouth Of Wholesome Roy No You know And second of all Eh Eh I'm well, happy to was see great. the Peacock shirt back, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I didn't I didn't actually get you one. I I keep forgetting to to order it for you. Don't you bother. <laughs> <laughs> Sean is back. At, oh, I just said that. Have I? Oh no. No, we were talking about cream horns. Yeah. And how much how much uh, Sean loves a cream horn him. In comes Gemma and Sean's all over her like shite on something really shitey, hassling her about getting Vanessa signed up. He needs his commission, damn it. And meanwhile, Kirk is at Chez outside the kebab shop. He needs his money today or Beth's going to kill him. Gemma comes along and they compare notes to see which one of them is the most fucked. And they decide it's Gemma. And the only thing to do is to get Vanessa signed up after all. So Gemma meets up with Vanessa and she's keen as a bean to get signed up to this pyramid scheme. She has big plans for her earnings and Gemma has a change of heart when she realises that she's going to be using her maintenance money. She calls the scheme a con and you end up with shite products that are different from the starter stuff. Vanessa is pissed off and leaves, stinging Gemma for a decaf cappuccino that she can't afford. She goes back to the factory and she tells Sean that she's warned Vanessa off and she's skint so he can whistle for his money. Sean reveals that he's skint too and he needs that commish. What's he going to tell Ridian? And here he is with Dylan getting bullied and eight months away from a hypothetical deposit. But Gemma doesn't care. She can't pay him. She's out and she leaves. Later, Sean is on a video chat with Ridian, who's a Welsh man, if the name didn't give it away. They play buzzword bingo for quite some time and then when Sean explains the situation with Gemma, Ridian spells it out clearly. Everyone signed a contract. If Sean doesn't get paid, Gemma gets sued. And if Ridian doesn't get paid, Sean gets sued. So Sean goes and relays this to Gemma using the buzzwords that he's just learned from Ridian. But Gemma is adamant she's out. Fair enough. Sean tells her that if he doesn't get paid tomorrow, she's going to get her ass sued. So Gemma goes round to tell Chez the good news about getting sued and blames her for not reading the contract, all because she trusted that scumbag Sean. Then the Rovers, Emma's helping Kirk recognise the difference between bear and bear, and Sean's there too. 
In comes Chesney and graciously, graciously returns the money that he owes back to Kirk, thanking him for helping out. And he basically spits on Sean's money before throwing it at him. There you go, you prick. It's my rent money. We'll probably all end up on the street now, thanks to you and your dodgy scam. And Sean insists that it's a proper business, but Chesney knows Sean doesn't believe it. And that makes the whole thing worse, and that's as far as I get with that this week. Whew. I, it just... <clears throat> I mean, we called this all the way back at the beginning of this when when Sean and, and Michael first got kind of sucked into this saying, oh, this is definitely a, a pyramid scheme. This is awful. Yeah, obviously, yeah. So it's, it's ending up proving to absolutely be awful. And, uh, you know, it's... It's not the most compelling storyline ever. Correct. It's, I don't, I don't like um, Sean being kind of forced into being a shitty human being to other people <coughs> in this way, you know, because it, just like with the cream horn joke that felt a bit icky, it, it, it feels a bit icky to, to throw this sort of stereotype but you know at one of the few gay characters on the street i mean it's 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 kind of in keeping with his personality but it's also in some ways not you know I, he's being such a shitty human being and and also we never that whole that whole christmas it, it's it's absolutely ridiculous that there are, that there are you know that they're all that they're all trying to say that Kirk is not responsible for that money getting stolen because he was absolutely responsible for that money getting stolen. <laughs> I know. You know, <laughs> so for Chesney to say, "Well, I was the one who left him in charge," and you know, that's that's neither here nor there. He's an adult man who should be able to not leave a table and look after a tin of money, you know, sitting on a table. The two of them were working five. that stall yeah. together at, at some point. Right. Presumably, Kirk is going to be at least partially recompensed for his time, whether it be through a, a pint of the Rovers later or a, or an actual couple of quid thrown right. at him or whatever. I don't know yeah. if, if legally he has any responsibility over that, but I think Kirk morally does. Or yeah. at least enough to go easy on Chez, despite the fact that you know, they're having their money worries as well. Right. Despite that, yeah. not to demand it and to maybe just be honest with Beth, look, I was looking at, basically I was looking after this shop and I turned my back to speak to, I don't know who it was, was it was it her? I don't know. She, he's I on the know. phone to somebody for a, uh, for a short period of time and it's enough mm-hmm. for them to be ripped off to lose everything. On his watch. Right. At least morally, he has some responsibility to share for that. And and he and Beth don't have five mouths to feed. (laughs) Right. You know, it's it's just, uh, you know, I, I, yeah, I don't like them having, you know, Kirk being kind of pushy as well. It just, that, that really doesn't feel like it's. That's not Kirk at all. It's, it's within character. So, uh. I don't know. It just, it's, it was, it was always going to be kind of a weird, not very compelling storyline. 
I think, so yeah, there, there's bits of it that uh, that I'm really taken against. I, yeah. I, for a start, I don't like Sean's storylines. I don't like Sean as a character. I, I think this is in, in character for him. I don't think he's a nice person. He's he's no. he's proved that he's proved that quite frequently. His basic attitude, even when he's not in a storyline, is just as a um, as, as a, a color that's added to it for someone else to talk to. The the, the snapping round and the the flouncing off. Right. You know, he he clearly thinks that yeah. he's better than everyone thinks he is. Yeah, he's um, already a stereotype, and they're just, you know, honestly, honestly, I, and and it also feels like it's really taking away from a storyline that I think actually will be compelling and interesting. This whole homophobic storyline with with Dylan getting bullied because his dad is gay, mm-hmm. you know that 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 sounds interesting and compelling, and it gives us more of Dylan, who I think will be. You know, an interesting asset to the to the young bloods on the on the show because, as as we've learned with Alahan Week, you know, it's it's these younger it's these younger characters that are really, it, you know, it's it's funny it's it's either the the young ones, <laughs> right. you know, the teenagers that are getting the the best storylines and are just really knocking it out of the park, or it's the older characters, it's it's Evelyn and, and Yasmin and, and Tim's mom and Roy, you know, who are all just giving it their all and are are the things that just make me the happiest to watch and see. So let's 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 focus on that and, and less on yet another storyline pointing out about how awful Chesney and and Gemma's life is, and how very poor they are compared to everybody else on the street. Yeah, I'm not sort of completely thing. done with that. It's, it's, do we have to have another storyline where Chesney and Gemma are are broke? Yeah, we don't. We really don't. It's, it's, and I mean, I guess I understand that right now because of COVID, they can't really do any quad storylines or or anything. You know, Gemma's pushing around that empty pram pretending that there are kids in it <laughs> over and over again <clears throat> i think that's so, probably about as much as you're going to get at quads that are barely a year old yeah but you know because they're i mean they, how long have they been engaged why have we not gotten them married yet well they got engaged in the cable car didn't they right yeah those kids are going to be you know Graduating from high school before they get married at this at this at this rate. Let's well, let's. I guess they have no money in which to do that, but it's I don't know. They, they need we need to have something more than this poverty porn with with Ches and and Gemma because yeah, we, we've absolutely. had it for long enough. It, it's it's time to either give them a break or just stop going on about it. But right. to generate another storyline that's going to run for another few weeks about how once again they're struggling to make ends meet. Right, it's, it's 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 becoming dull. It was never it really that is. exciting in the first place. Because it's it's the same characters over and over and over again in the same situation. Having, yep. Yeah. Our penultimate <laughs> storyline tonight, today, this morning, this morning, is Graceland's two on Friday. Yep. <laughs> in Roy's roles, Grace tells Michael that she's getting chucked out of the place that she's living because her friend doesn't want no kids, but her aunt will put her up and the baby up rent-free, but she lives in Hull, 
That's two hours away from Manchester. Michael, Michael obviously isn't pleased about this, thinking that they were going to do this parenting thing together. And she's like, well, you can still do that. And my aunt has said that you can, God knows how big this house is, but there's even a room for you when you come to visit. But this isn't enough for Michael. And later he's in the Rovers with James and his plan is to get Grace to move in to Ed and Aggie's house. James thinks there's fuck all chance of that happening. And later still, Michael tells Grace the plan and she doesn't think much more of it than James did. Let's go round and tell mum right now. So they go home, but Aggie isn't there. And then she comes home from a 12 hour shift and is blindsided to find Grace in her living room. She can't be bothered pretending to be nice to Grace, who decides that the best thing to do here is just to leave, and she bids him a, a fond farewell. Michael is a bit stung by his mum's reaction to this, but suggests that Grace comes back tomorrow for lunch, and he promises to cook. Whatever, says Aggie. Now rub my fucking feet. And that's as far as we get with that this week. Mm-hmm. <sighs> they can't move Grace into that house. Of course they can't, but they're going to. <laughs> It just, it makes no sense. (laughs) And two hours, you know, Michael is acting like Hall is in the Arctic Circle or something. You know, two hours away is not that bad. It could be much worse. No, it's like when you have free room at the other end, you could go every weekend if you wanted to. You could even go after work, spend an hour or two there and still get back in time for bed. You know, it's. Right. You wouldn't want to be doing it every day, I guess. It's 100 no. miles. You wouldn't be wanting to do it every day. But you you could do it every weekend if yeah. it's that important to you. But moving her and a baby into that house <laughs> where everyone hates her. Right. <laughs> that's, that's just not a plan. Surely no. it's not a plan. No. I did like her Freddy Krueger sweater, though. She's that always wearing bad. that Freddy Krueger sweater. <laughs> so she always looks... It- like a baddie, give her a fedora. Yeah, it's, it's and, to and remind a... us that she's kind of a villain. Right. <laughs> that she's kind of evil and twisted and weird. Uh. In her Freddy Krueger sweater. <laughs> Moving on to our, our final storyline today. Ray's going down. On Wednesday, Sally has told Abby about Faye and how Ray is now banged up. She chats this over with Kev, who suggests that she lets the law deal with it now, but Abby's worried that she didn't do more, so she clocks off Ella to see if Faye needs anything. On yeah. the way, she sees Debbie sashay into the bistro, where Faye has been, where Ray has been released, is drinking coffee and reading his paper. Debbie is surprised to see him, but Ray plays it as a he-said-she-said said sort of thing, and they let him go. Debbie wishes for once that he'd stop thinking with his cock. And he assures you know, her... And this is ridiculous. Gary is still sitting in prison, not convicted of anything, just on suspicion. You know, he hasn't been formally charged or anything. Did that find him with a weapon? Yeah, I guess. But still. It's a little more for, compelling. For, for Ray to be... Yeah, well, you know what? People have made complaints about Ray before. This, it, they're, they're, they're playing it off as an old he said, she said thing when... This is this, you know, when complaints have been made about this guy before in the past, yes, you know, most of them got rescinded because the women were paid off or whatever, but still, this is it's it's this isn't Ray's first rodeo and it's just it's really frustrating. But anyway. 
So he assures her that the money will be transferred today to buy up the houses, though Debbie is curious why Ray came straight to the bistro from the cop shop without going home first. And this is a point that I've been kind of worrying about. Why have we never seen, <laughs> we've never seen Ray at home? Where does he live? Is he even local? Who knows? He think he lives in the hotel, in one of his hotel rooms. <laughs> it seems it's kind of it's kind of weird. It isn't seems it? like he's he's had to sell his house to pay for these things. Oh, Maybe to Mick. Abby mm. goes to congratulate Faye on being a hero and brave and stuff. Abby also knows about the Adam stuff and calls it a silly mistake. Faye's told the truth; that's the main thing. And Faye's worried that Ray might not get done for this and end up on the streets again. And who knows who he's going to attack next? Poor Sandra with the outside menu, that's who I suspect. <laughs> Meanwhile, DS Whatever has gone to see Adam about his statement about Gary, and Adam plays it down a bit, insisting that he didn't say it was definitely Gary. And otherwise, right. he isn't keen, keen to change his statement. Adam learns that the police have new information and immediately jumps to the conclusion that Peter is now the prime suspect after all. Nice to get a Peter reference this week. Abby mm-hmm. ropes Alia into the. Like no, and makes some. Comp- not like what? A Peter reference? How is that dirty? Anyway, you've uh, never heard a you've never heard a penis referred to as a Peter. No. Okay. Abby ropes Alia into go and make more complaints about Ray. They see him outside the bistro, and Craig comes over to pointlessly explain that he's been released. Faye thinks that he's got away with it and storms off. And she goes to see Adam and explains to him and Sarah that she was the one what twatted him over the head with that aborting at New Year. The visit from the police now makes sense to Adam, who is pretty understanding that all of this is really Faye's fault. They're all yeah. getting on famously until Gary's name is mentioned, and Faye calls Gary the good guy in all this. Hmm, mm. says Adam. Hmm, says Sarah. Mm. <laughs> so Abby and Alia have made their statements, but to no avail, so Abby is now resorting to her plan B. There's something that she needs to check out, and so she turns up at Ray's hotel, announces herself as Ray's ex, and starts quizzing the staff to see if they've been raped. This is not at all awkward. The waitress leaves in a rush, allowing Abby to sneak behind the bar looking for a work rota or other staff that she can cold call to see if they've been raped. And she's taken photographs of the list when Ray and Phoebe Buffet come in. She's caught wind of him being lifted and is worried that he's turned grass about the bribery thing. And they've allowed conversation about the corruption and bribery that Abby is able to film on her phone from behind the bar. And they both leave without spotting Abby. Meanwhile, Kev has spotted Debbie in Roy's roles and fancies a good old shout at her. He questions her ethics dealing with a potential rapist, but she says that she, she's only his business par- partner. She doesn't have to like him. He tells her how Ray had a scuddy photo of Abby and blackmailed her with it, and this seems to give Debbie more pause than the rape thing did. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So Craig goes to see Faye, telling her to leave it. Ray to the police, saying that Ray will have to get past Craig first if he wants to harm Faye. Ah, <clears throat> uh, sure. Faye's glad that she and Craig can still be mates, and he makes a veiled, snidey comment about being in the friend zone, and then claims that he'll love her until the day he dies. Oh, God. Samesies, says Faye. <laughs> oh. So in the end, Craig will either turn into an incel or... Or will finally come out of the closet. Right. Yeah. He will love her until the day that he dies. Yes, when they were only together for a few weeks. I think it was a. I think it was a week. <laughs> they didn't get their whole. No. But they had a sleepover. 
they but did, they didn't get their where they hole. talked about boys. Yeah, <laughs> it was like the bunk beds in uh, the bunk bed scene in Big before Big gets weird. Right. And rapey. Rapey? Does it get? Ra- oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I haven't seen Big for a while. I watched Gone Girl again uh, this week. Did you? Because of our conversation about how much you love to see uh, Neil Patrick Harris get knife. I think that was what made me remember. Do you know what? I, I remember watching that, but I don't remember an awful lot about it. Uh, I just remember, in the theatre. I don't, I know. I think I might have, did I see it? No, I didn't see it twice. No, but you read the book before we I'd read the to book see it. and I quite enjoyed it because I quite enjoy uh, Gillian Flynn's writing. Mm-hmm. It's a two and a half hour movie, which I had forgotten. Mm-hmm. But what I'd really forgotten was how much I hated everybody in that movie. <laughs> they're all utter pieces of shit, every single one yeah. of them. Yeah, they're all awful people. Yeesh. The only one Did who kind of gets a pass is the cop. And she's made out to be a complete... Uh, idiot. Idiot and failure. At the end, so nobody comes out of this particularly well. No. I quite enjoyed it, though, I have to say. No. Let's be honest. Ben Affleck never plays a sympathetic character in his life. He plays assholes. That's just, that's just what, that's just who he is. Those Affleck boys. Did you, did you, uh, did, were you exposed at all to this whole fracas about him and Anna de Amis, uh, breaking up their, their relation, their one-year relationship of going up for Dunkin' Donuts in the during the pandemic. No, and, su- and supposedly Casey Affleck uh, throwing a, very publicly throwing away a cardboard cutout of Anna de Armas outside of Ben Affleck's house. Yeah, no idea. <laughs> you know who Anna de Armas is, though. She's the she's no. the she's the actress from Knives Out. There was a few actresses in Knives Out. Well, yeah, the one that the 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 main the the um the main character after um after um Daniel Craig, the 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 wee lass who's the one who's the nurse. There was a nurse in it. Yeah, the the one who throws up if if she tries to lie. Oh yeah, that took yeah. that took much longer than it really should have. <laughs> so, Rabbi. Abby is next in line to see Faye uh, and tell her about the video that she has proven Ray has bribed council officials. Faye is still down in the dumps, though. She wants his name on the sex offenders register and she won't be happy until that happens. And Abby mm-hmm. sucks a thoughtful tooth. Back at the bistro, Debbie has some stern words for Ray. She calls him a liability and wants him to sign Hexapoint, that's the holding company, I think, over to her until the sales go through. He insists right. everything's in hand, but not like that, and refuses her request. She wants to know how many others like Faye there have been, and Ray just says that he always covers his tracks. Mm-hmm. Later, Ray is on the phone to his HVAC guy when Abby comes in, and she'd like a quick word when he has a minute vis-a-vis bribery in the corridors of power, palms being crossed with silver, and she goes off to help herself to a full fat coke while Ray finishes up with the HVAC guy, but not like that. Mm-hmm. Faye has been on the phone to Gary, who tells her to harden up and be more like him now that she's told the truth. 
Then she tells Tim that she has come clean with Adam, who seems okay with everything. And Tim is cool until he learns that Ray is out and walking about. This isn't right. Tim wants blood no. and goes to see Adam, who urges Tim to calm down and let the legal system take care of things. He's done what right. he can by stating that he doesn't want Faye to be prosecuted. Right. But they still might prosecute her right. anyway. Because it's not his decision. Right, because like, it is actually a crime to hit somebody in the back of the head with a heavy award. Yeah, it's. I think it goes back to the twatting in the head with a heavy award act of 1876. I think is <laughs> when it hit the statute books. <laughs> Later, Abby's deal seems to be that she'll distribute the video of Ray confessing to bribery unless Ray confesses to attempted rape. This actually doesn't sound like a brilliant plan. Abby no. says that either he gets done for attempted rape or he gets done for corruption and maybe attempted rape at a later date. This video will send him down and she gives him an hour to make up his mind. Better right. call Saul, she says. And I worry at this point that she saw Ray on her own and is enjoying this moment a little bit too right. much for this yes. to, to work. And she hasn't yes. told anybody that this is what she's doing. Right. Although although there are although she has told Faye that she has this, this video. So there's at least one person who knows that this video yeah exists. Exists. So that's so that's so that's kind of good. I guess, you know, and I I didn't think I was like Abby, what are you doing? Just go to the police, but I I guess what she's trying to do is that, you know, if he goes down for for just this for just the bribery stuff, he's not going to be put on any sex offenders list. Right. And once he gets out, he can start doing this sort of thing. Over and over and over again. So, you know, I, I, I can see what she's trying to do, but it's just like, you know, just get him sent down for something and right. then it will make it easier for him to get also prosecuted for these other things because then he'll he'll have, it'll be on record that he has form for yeah. doing things It's kind of like the all these seditionists that people were kind of, really, they're only getting done with trespass and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. No, but we're just getting them charged with something, and then right. the actual, you know, what they eventually get done for will be, you know, far far worse than that. Right. That's the same did thing. See, did you see that that woman, that real estate woman from Texas, who took a private jet? Yeah. And and is now crying on you know, on Instagram and stuff, and trying to set up a GoFundMe for her for her legal expenses because she's she's lost her job yep (laughs) (laughs) that's helen laughing in the bath (laughs) on to friday so supposedly an hour has passed and abby is at the garage a bit frantic uh, cleaning the car kev senses that something's up and she's about to explain about ray when he warns her to stay clear and leave it to the police she reluctantly mumbles a promise that she will while she watches Miles arrive at the bistro. Mm-hmm. And in the bistro, Miles thinks that Ray has no option but to confess because if he doesn't, then Abby will release the footage. He'll go mm-hmm. to prison, of course he will, but will come out a rich man. Sadly, mm-hmm. Ray has lied to Debbie about the money for number four and six coming through, and it hasn't. So he has no time to be faffing about at a police station because he has to get that sorted. Right. And after Miles leaves, Ray calls Abby. He has a couple of clarifying... What's up with this- What's what's up with all the uh, Scot- Scottish lawyers? Is there a rule now that all lawyers on Coronation Street have to be either Scottish or Imran? <laughs> I don't know. 
but I'm suddenly got an image of him running a kilt, and it ain't bad. <laughs> <laughs> so Ray has a couple of clarifying questions for her. They arrange to meet in the Rovers because they've got to meet somewhere public. And right. Abby, Abby tells Kev that she has to see someone uh, from our drug recovery group, uh, so that's why she has to rush off and he falls for it. Later, Sally comes round looking for Abby, who obviously ain't there because of the junkie thing. She tells Kev mm-hmm. about how Faye's doing and asks if Kev would take Tim for a pint and maybe calm him down a bit because he's ready to kill Ray. And Kev agrees and Sally is appreciative. And this mm-hmm. just was... It was such a jolt for me watching this this week when this week I've also been watching an awful lot of classic Coronation Street. Right. And in classic Coronation Street, what's happening at the moment is... Or what I'm doing, like last week or the week before, because I'm catching up from the start of the year. Mm-hmm. Sally discovers that Kev's having an affair with Natalie, and mm-hmm. Sally had been away for six weeks looking after her mum who had had a stroke. Right. And Sally going away looking after her mum is what Kev blames for him having an affair. Right. And Kev, throughout the episodes that I've watched, is like the worst human being ever. Ever. And I know it was the 90s and stuff, and there is an awful lot of, um, even though it was just the 90s and you think that was yesterday, hint, it wasn't. No. The the attitudes have changed so much since then that, that basically everything that Kev says to, to Sally is just utterly reprehensible. So it's difficult mm-hmm. for me to watch them being civil and nice and supportive of each other now yeah when he was just such a prick did you see that uh did you see that uh it was floated back then for sally and kev to leave the show and get a show of their own yeah i read that a spin-off show Mm -hmm. that would have been awful it would have been (laughs) that would not have worked at all it really would have been it'd been like when cheers finished if uh the spin-off show went to Phil, the guy who had <laughs> one line every five episodes or whatever. So, Ray and Abby meet in the back patio of the Rovers, not quite in public, but whatever. He agrees to her demand so long as she deletes the footage, and he wants her to do it first, but she wants him to turn himself in first. So they don't trust each other, and there's a bit of a standoff, and Abby seems to forget that she has the upper hand here. She's right, the one with seriously. the video. Right. Then Sally's in the Rovers, uh, but Emma can't serve her just now because she has to take drinks outside. Oh, who's drinking outside? Asks uh, uh, Sally. Abby and Ray, says Emma. And I was surprised as well, says Sally. Oh, says Emma. Yes. Sally goes out and sees Abby and Ray, and she drags Abby away into the ginnel to talk over this. And Abby, rather pointedly, and the camera lingers on this, leaves her drink on the table where mm-hmm. Ray is sitting. She explains right. the outline of the plan to Sally, then tells her to go back. And Abby goes back into the, the rovers and downs a drink and threatens to send out the video. So Ray agrees to confess, so she'll stop. And then two of them head off to the cop shop, except that when Abby stands up, she's a bit woozy. And Ray has mm-hmm. obviously slipped her a bit of a mickey. And how dumb is he? How dumb is he? Because everybody saw them come into the rovers and then go outside. Yep. Emma knows that they're out there. It's been remarked Sally, upon. Sally now knows that they're out there. Everybody has seen him with her 
So, what what is he playing at here? This uh, is the, the, there's it's, so much of what happens on Friday with Ray. It feels like it was. Uh, is he regressing into a seven year old? Right. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 like with 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 all of with all of his houses of cards falling falling over. Now he just gets more and more frantic and fast and loose with with everything. Yep. As he goes along, it's it's like he's completely lost the plot here. And what was his plan going to be if Sally hadn't come in? Right. Yeah. <laughs> how was he going to slip anything to her if Sally hadn't shown up? Right. So Abby staggers out into the gunnel fumbles about with her phone and then collapses allowing Ray to pick the phone up I don't think so, he says then later Debbie and her handbag sashay into the bistro again Abby sent her a video of Ray bribing Phoebe Buffet what the fuck's this all about, she says and then Debbie right. sees Abby sparked out on the floor of the bistro what? <laughs> how so, did he get her? she's passed out in the gunnel why did he not just leave her passed out in the gunnel if his whole plot was to drug her with drugs that she could get on the street yep. and then have it, it and then just say, oh, well, she's just a junkie mm-hmm. sort of thing. Why would he bring her into the bistro? Unconscious. Why? Unconscious. How did he carry her to the bistro without being noticed by other people? Mm-hmm. How does this happen? Why does this happen? Who does this happen? It's just... Where did this happen? Timbot4000 says this does not compute. That's right, Timbot. I'm assuming you said that this does not compute. And you are correct. But it hasn't stopped there. No. And Roy's roles... It not compute. Roy and Sally both have the video too. Roy mm-hmm. thinks this is all they need to fuck the development up the arse. Right. Right. Up the arse. Up the arse. It's proof of corruption. Back at the bistro, Ray discovers that the video has gone to all of Abby's contacts. What now? Well, we call an ambulance. What now for me, squeals Ray. And in his panic, Ray thinks that he can buy everyone off who's received the video. (laughs) All of Abby's contacts. Or convince them that it's a deep fake. Debbie looks at him as if to say... What is he, Donald Trump now? You really are the thickest piece of shit I've ever come across. She wants to call an ambulance. Abby could die. Good, says Ray. That'll solve his problems if you ignore the rather enormous problem of what's just happened, which is that the video has now gone to everyone. If Abby and, dies... And, and she will have died right there in the bistro with his, you know, with evidence of him on her, because I'm sure that there's hair and skin evidence... Since he carried her, obviously. And, and not only that, there's Abby's, uh, there's, there's troughs in the ground where Abby's feet have been dragged from the ginnel right. across the street into the bistro. <laughs> if Abby he, like completely picked her up and like slung her over Which is even worse. <laughs> if Abby dies, the contacts in her phone don't die too. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> And Debbie has to explain this to Ray. Right. And let's just say he doesn't react well. Debbie wants to call an ambulance. She doesn't want to be an accessory to murder, although her handbag collection is killing it. (laughs) 
And that is the joke of the week. Is it? Oh, come on. Accessory to murder, <laughs> handbag, killing, of course. Ray trips oh. over a chair, as people do every day across the country, and drops the phone. Debbie gets it, runs into the kitchen, calls 999 as Ray comes in, threatening to kill her. Yes. Then Seb, who I'd forgotten exists, he loves with Kev now, <laughs> and tells Kev to check his phone. Uh, but she said she was going to a recovery group, says Kev. And Seb mm. somehow is able to ID the footage on the phone to the uh, Chariot Square Hotel. So Kev uh-huh. is going to rush off in the wrong direction to be the hero and to rescue her, leaving right. Seb to pout and look after Jack. And luckily, right. Sally stops him just as an ambulance arrives at the bistro. Oh, pig's tit, says Kev. So the paramedics have got Abby loaded into the ambulance and it seems there was no one there at the bistro when they arrived and they rushed right. off to hospital. And this, and this, at, at this moment, at this moment, I think, and I think we're all led to believe that because for some reason, 999 doesn't have a ID, caller ID. Yeah, which it, so they don't which, know which who it called it in. Yeah. And uh, so I think at this point that Ray has killed Debbie and taken Debbie's body somewhere. Oh, you did? Because he was threat. Yeah, this is what I was thinking at the time. You know, because it's left at this very menacing moment where yeah. he's just gotten off the phone and and he says, what did I say was going to happen? Blah, 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 yeah, blah. Yeah, he bursts in the kitchen. He's got her cornered, right. basically. Right. Yeah. And he's frantic and he's, he's, and he's cut his hand on a glass and... All that fun stuff. I thought he cut his hand with his glasses, and I remember he doesn't wear glasses. <laughs> right. And so, he broke a glass when he falls over the table. That's right, and shouted, bitch. Right. I was shocked at that. Mm-hmm. So Abby's in the hospital. She wakes up, and Kev immediately gives her a hard time about not staying away from Ray. <laughs> <laughs> he explains that Ray must have drugged her with benzos. That's the medical mm-hmm. description for that. But mm-hmm. uh, no one knows... Uh, who called the ambulance and then we hear Debbie's shoes clipping across the corridor before we see her and she's glad that Abby's okay she knew nothing about the bribery and wished that Abby had come directly to her because then she could have done something about it she's going to Uh find Ray and sort this and off she clops and that's how we end this week's episodes so how did Debbie escape Ray and where did they both go and what is going on here (laughs) I mean, because obviously, I have a feeling, I mean, obviously the police are going to know and they're they're going to try to arrest Ray for, for bribery and they're going to get Phoebe, Phoebe Buffet as well. Yep. And uh, so how does Debbie think she's going to sort this? And and how is she going to sort this? And what does sorting I, it look like? And Yeah. What exactly does she mean? I don't think Debbie could have killed Ray. No. And then no. dragged his body out of the, no. <laughs> the bistro. Is, is Gay Mick involved in this again? For the, I don't know. For the second week in the bounce? I don't know. I think Ray's just done a runner. So, yeah, I mean, he, he goes menacingly towards Debbie and then all of a sudden just runs away because it doesn't even look like Debbie's been hurt. No. No, talking of which, it didn't really look like Ray had been hurt that much, apart from he was clutching his boob at the start of the week. But anyway, that's, right. I should have mentioned that like an hour ago. But 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what's happened. Yeah, he didn't even have any jam on his face. No jam. There was no jam to no be seen. No jam. Uh, does Abby always have to be the hero? Yes. <laughs> That's what it seems. I don't know. I'm getting a little... Are you getting a little tired of Abby always being the hero? A little bit. I mean, she's good and stuff. I, 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 I still love her character. And she's good fun. Yes. And... And, and to and, think she was, she was initially going to be just kind of a, a one-off character there, right? At so first, she and brings, now she's yeah, she brings a, a huge amount to the to the street, and you know she has absolutely. some uh, very uh, worthy, memorable moments. The, the one that I don't think uh, ever leaves my head when I think about Abby is when she's walking away from Ray's car and it explodes. It's just. It's a great shot, but and it's a great scene, and Absolutely. I don't think it would be the same with another character. But I just think, does she have to be? Does she have to have this kind of savior complex for everything? I don't know. It, it just, but maybe this was a time for that wouldn't have worked, I guess, hiding behind the the bar. But was it a a time for? For Tim to do the right thing by his daughter and do something a little bit more cerebral than just kicking fuck out of Ray. No, I don't know. I just it, it, this this is it's becoming a thing, and I'm it, not sure it, we it want had, it to become a thing. Let let's let's be honest. It had to be one of the women on the street to take down Ray for it to be satisfying. Ah, true. It it could not have been any of the men. And Faye did her part. And, you know, Alia. Yeah, but did she's her getting part. her revenge. She's getting her revenge by proxy. This is. This is more interesting to me if Faye is a person who is. Uh, but then Faye doesn't care enough about the development. No. Right. And that's, you know, that's, that's the whole thing. Could we have Faye made Faye care just... about the, the, the development? No, Faye doesn't care about the development. But could she have? Faye, let, let's be honest. They're, they're, they're making it out kind of like Faye doesn't even really care. The only reason why she cares enough to go and to confess to the convicted rape and everything is because of Gary. You know? Yeah, she may That's, not have done anything if Gary hadn't been in jail. Right, absolutely. That's That's the whole... That's the whole. That's that's the begin and the end of of what Faye cares about. Faye doesn't even care enough to stop and think that she actually was raped that first time. Because it's just ridiculous that and and that nobody else has said you were coerced. He was your boss. There's an element of power there. You were raped the first time instead of, you know, even DS whatever who. On the whole, I tend to like, yep. you know, brings up the fact that that she had slept with him already once in in the interview. And it's like, yeah, that, that, that was coerced. Why, why is nobody understanding this? Mm -hmm. And why has Faye not even said to anybody about that, that he said, if you don't sleep with me, I will fire you. You know? It's just that's it's so frustrating, and it makes me so angry because again, it seems to be perpetuating to to everyone 
watching at home as well that that wasn't rape. And it absolutely was rape. The thing... It's like the whole Carla thing all over again. The the thing, though, going back to the heroic Abby thing, mm-hmm. she doesn't think... And I think that's the, the charm of it, is that she just acts. Right. She just... Yes. D- that doesn't think about consequences too much doesn't think about me well maybe i take someone else to the um to the rovers with me or maybe we sit inside the rovers right and just talk quietly although the, the reference why they couldn't do that and although i didn't really believe that at least the reference no no it. but have someone there right. you know <clears throat> she's already got this footage before kev says i want you to stay away so there was a mm-hmm. chance to say to kev before this um before that conversation conversation came up to to get him involved in it right but she but, but she kind of has to be the hero she 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 has yeah. to be the one that that gets shit done right because again if she had told kev the truth then it then kev becomes the hero and that is not satisfying right yeah it had it had to be one of the ladies and you know abby abby obviously has the biggest grudge against Ray because of, you know, their relationship and, uh, and blackmailing, um, Kev. And actually, you know what? Blackmailing, you know, she was coerced into having sex with him that last time too. Mm -hmm. She was raped as well by him, you know, and doesn't seem to be, you know, if, able to put two and two together as far as that's concerned because you know because when she and Alia go down and make their statements you know when they're talking about it they're like well he didn't technically do anything wrong illegal to to us it was just scuzzy no no Abby what he did to you was illegal did he do it with her he coerced her into having sex with him that one last time in order to save Kev's, um, see, I've remembered save... that that he took a photograph, but nothing happened. Nothing more happened sure than that. I'm pretty sure something else happened as well. You know that that she had to have sex with him one last time because that was a plan. Because, I know that was a plan. I don't know if it happened. Or right, that. because she, because that's what she tells Debbie. She's already told Debbie the story. Which is why I thought it was weird that, you know, the picture was brought up and Debbie got all concerned over it when when Abby has already told Debbie this weeks ago. Yeah. That he coerced her into having sex with her one him one last time in order to save Kev's shop. Yeah, I don't know what's happened to Ray. I, I think the doing the runner thing is probably the most uh the most likely at the moment but then again last mm-hmm. week I had it down that Tim was potentially one of the people that was in that white van and that certainly didn't <laughs> that certainly didn't work out too well so well, so who knows right. but but Debbie does seem is Debbie now just on the side of good because everything is now totally fucked in terms of the development right, yeah. is that is that the thing that's been her come to Jesus moment that she has no the, the, the alternative of going down the road that she was on, it, it doesn't right. exist anymore. So she has yeah. to become the, the, the good person now. Right, yeah, because, I mean, in her conversation with Kev, she says, look, this is, 
I know Ray's not a great guy. We're not friends or anything. It's just business. And Kev makes a point. Well, what if it was? What What if it wasn't Faye? What if it was a member of our family who mm-hmm. who he tried to yeah. rape? Yeah. If it was Rosie or Sophie, how would you how would you feel then? And that seems to sort of give Debbie pause, but not enough until it's until it's obvious this whole development thing is is fucked and is not going to happen. Right. Well, that was the week that was Coronation Street, I guess. Yes. What was your moment of the week? Oh, I had something and now it's flown out of my head. It was something that happened on Monday, I think. I had Yasmin standing up for herself against Ray, but I am am open to suggestions. Yeah, I was thinking about that. I was also thinking about Gail on the box and and Nick telling Gail that she could come and live with them. What else happened on Monday that was good? There was something else on Monday that happened that was good. Oh, uh, Faye. Oh, Faye confessing that the cop shop yeah. Yes, Faye's confession, that was really good. Do you know, I don't think we've ever given it to Faye, have we? No, I don't think we... I, I, I honestly don't think we have. That was a good... I think... Yeah, it was good. Yeah, let's give it to Faye. Yeah, Faye confessing Faye confesses. to twatting Adam as our... Mm-hmm. Moment of the week. Moment of the week. Boring moment of the week. Boring slash annoying moment of the week. Uh... Hmm. Is it Grace moving to Hull? <laughs> <laughs> it's in that storyline, I think, somewhere. Uh, Aggie's feet. Um, no, because that's, you know, yet, yet another um, nod to the NHS and how hard it is for nurses right now. Just to wish you back, um, though. I, I guess that was actually quite funny. Give me my food up. Yeah. Fix yeah. my feet. <laughs> right. I think he gave her her food, yes. or is it something in the, or is it something in the Gemma and Chesney thing? Because as we've mentioned, this this whole poverty porn with Gemma and um, Chesney is is getting really old mm-hmm. and dull at this point. The, so, the conversation between Sean and Ridian wasn't exactly enlightening either. It, it, it wasn't fireworks and and no. whistles. We we do learn from it though that that Sean and and Gemma can get sued though. We do. Is it is it is it Chesney yelling at uh, Gemma that she didn't read the contract when obviously it's Gemma she's never going to read a contract before she signs it. There was a couple of mentions of breach of contract this week, and I thought you know if if we're relying on contractual law as the um, as a catalyst for our entertainment here, maybe there's something that needs to change. So maybe. Maybe yeah. yeah. Maybe that. Uh, yeah, let, let's just let, let yeah, let's do that. Yes. Chesney and Gemma talking about contractual law. That'll be our boring moment of the week. A boring moment of the week. Shall we wrap this one up then? Last time yes, that we, we're doing our stuff, Florida thing. Yeah, it's last time from the bathtub. <laughs> The last thing from the bathtub. If you've ever been refused entry to a fancy dress party due to confusion over the spelling of an animal's name. Really? <laughs> but let us know how that confusion arose. We are the talk of the street at gmail.com, which is also our address on Skype for voicemail and on PayPal if you want to chuck us a couple of bucks into our virtual tip jar. We are at Corey Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Please check out our merch store and YouTube channel, links to which you can find on our Twitter bio or on the other stuff page of the talk of the street 
www.podbean.com. And if you're so inclined, please leave a rating and a review on the iTunes or on your podcast provider of choice. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode. And we will be back in the same room next week with more Talk of the Street. Bye. Cheerio. Well, that was great.